like scenes on TV uh-huh. from older movies or TV shows, and and people are all gathered up. I'm like, ooh, look at those people all together together like that. I mean, it's, it's almost like it's like, whoa, what the hell are they doing? Right. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, you know, and, and it's perfectly normal, uh-huh. and we'll get back to some form of that. I'm I'm assuming. Welcome in another fine episode of Alabama Politics this week. I I, I remember the name. I just stumbled over it that time, okay? I remembered the name. I just stumbled over it. That's all I did. That's all that happened. You have so many uh, projects. I mean, we're the same way. We both have so many projects that we're involved with. You know, you got to remember where you are and what you're doing when you're doing it. Yeah, no, I said, uh, I said, and by the way, that is, is David Person yes. that, that you hear there, and I am Josh Moon, and uh, we are, uh, uh, we're happy you're, you're here. I, I sent David a, an email or a text message a couple of days ago and said, hey, we're going to have uh, Laura Hall on, uh, if that's okay with you, uh, tomorrow morning at 1130. <laughs> David said, on Wednesday? I'm busy. <laughs> forgot what day it was. So I was just... So I was just you know, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. thing, you know, things run, you know, with the, with the different projects and with the, the two year old and, uh, you know, things, uh, things get a little bit uh, hectic mm-hmm. around here uh, every now and then, but, uh, we're, we're, we somehow or another, we pull it all together and <laughs> Hey, good news. Uh, we don't often open up with that. Uh, but, uh, governor Kay Ivey, uh, has extended Alabama's mask mandate in, uh, uh through April the 9th. Uh, adding another uh, five weeks uh, to this thing. And, um, you know, I, I think that surprised a, a lot of people, uh, particularly the talking goobers on talk radio mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so, and a guy over at Breitbart who wrote an exclusive that Alabama was going to extend, was going to follow Texas and Mississippi's lead in killing the mask mandate. Um, but, uh, you know, what? Congrats to her. You know, I, I wish she had not put the hard deadline on the April 9th right. because, you know, it, it's 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 impossible, I think, to come back from that now, no matter what's going on. Uh, but I do think, you know, five weeks uh, more, if, especially if we continue at the same pace of vaccinations or increase it, uh, since Alabama does rank 50th out of 50 uh, in, in vaccinations um, uh, put out here, you know, I... I just uh, I, I I worry that uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get into a situation that that we we can't get out of really if if people don't take this thing seriously. But I think we, we there is a pretty good chance we can uh, we can make this thing work. Well, she she did I would say a good thing, but she didn't do the best thing. And that's then I think that's really you and I are basically saying the same thing. Setting a hard deadline on it uh, to me doesn't make any sense because we don't know what this virus is going to do. There's still strains out there that we can't fully be sure are going to be addressed by the vaccine. Uh, the only thing that we're 100 percent certain about at this point, in my opinion, is that if we do the things that we'd always been told to do, we know that that gives us at least a baseline of success. Mask up, sanitize, socially distance. And meanwhile, more people are getting vaccinated and hopefully the vaccines are going to do what we need them to do. Uh, But we're not there yet. 
You know, uh, the the state health officer said we're currently, I think, doing about 150,000 vaccines per week, I think he said. Uh, So, you know, if we continue at that pace, uh, you know, for the next, you know, four to six weeks, you know, we still will only be at about 50 percent of the population in this state. So we still got a ways to go. So, again, I say, you know, why why the why the rush? And to me, that seems political to me. That's a you know, so she's trying to balance, you know, you know, she's trying to balance, I think, what she knows makes sense. Because she herself even said she was going to continue to wear her mask when she's around people. So, you know, she's trying to balance the politics with common sense. And I give her credit for trying to do it. But I wish, like you said, she hadn't been so hardline about the ending. Yeah, the, the, there the is deadline. only a political reason for yeah. for removing them. There's only a political. Yeah, reason. that's right. There, there, there's no, there's no medical reason. There's no, there's no common sense reason uh, from removing the mask mandate because uh, I'm, I mean, really, a mask. The the downside of of a mask mandate is I don't like wearing masks. You know, I mean, really, that's it. Uh, the upside is uh, we've seen the data, we've seen the numbers from places, uh, from cities that have mask mandates versus those that do not, uh, and we know that the mask mandates work and that they they help people. Uh, they help businesses. They give cover to businesses to say to people, I, listen, this is what the government is making me do. Put your mask on or get the hell out of my store. Uh, you know, and, and and so I think uh, that that helps a lot uh, for them because, they, you know, they're all struggling and they don't want to lose the business. And so they don't want to make people angry. But, you know, if you have that cover, it's helped. And I think that's what did it. You know, the the week after she put that mask mandate in place and I went to the grocery store and, and some other places, it was like a, a it was like a tremendous change. That's I mean, right. Before you would see like four or five people in the entire store wearing a mask. Then you got three or four people who weren't. You know, yeah. and the, and people were looking at him crossways, like, man, what the hell is wrong with you? Why don't you put a mask on? And I'm a, and I'm a, uh, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this to add to add uh, more intensity to our conversation. Uh, in the black community, we all talked about the fact that when we would go out, you know, during that time period you were talking about, the people that we would see without masks almost unfailingly were white people, almost unfailingly. <laughs> And the black yeah. people that you would see almost unfailingly were wearing masks, you know. Yeah, so, well, and, and not, not only that, not only were they white, they were also usually uh, the types of people that COVID would feast on. Yeah, uh, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. uh, if COVID was walking around picking out people right. uh, to in, in, infiltrate, those would be the people that they would go after. Uh, but it, it's you know, I I just. Um, I don't understand, man. This this whole thing. Five hundred thousand people, more than five hundred thousand people have died. Uh, we, we you you can see the numbers. It's an increase of five hundred thousand deaths in this country over the last year. It's an increase of ten thousand deaths in this country in the state of Alabama alone. Ten thousand Alabamians mm. have died in the last year. Mm. Ten thousand. Mm. So, what in the world are y'all doing? I mean, you know, I, that's. I, I can't understand. I can't wrap my head around this notion of, well, this mass thing is such an inconvenience on my freedoms, you know. And uh, you know, 
what are you talking about? And the and also the arguments of, well, you know, I, I, I think we ought to let people make their own decisions and I don't really like mandating things for people and, and I think we ought to we ought to we ought to let them choose the right way. Well you you mandate that they wear pants. You, you that's know? right. You uh, can't walk around naked. You gotta wear yeah. seat belts. I yep. mean, you can't drink and drive. I mean, we we live in a world that's already well defined by mandates, you know, and it's and it's to help us because it's not even I think even framing it, you know, from the standpoint of, well, Alabamians have the common sense to know is what the governor said earlier today, what what they need to do. I don't think it's really about a question of common sense. I think it's about the human tendency to just do whatever the hell it is we want to do. It's not about sense. It's not about intellect. It's about impulse and comfort. And all of us wrestle with this, which is why we don't like restrictions, but it's also why we need restrictions. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, listen, I hate that. There, there's, I, I would almost bet you that there's nobody that hates putting on a mask more than I do. All right. You know, there, I know people talk about, oh, what's the big deal? It's just a little thing over your face or whatever. I, listen, I hate it. You know, yeah, I, I, so I, and I can't, yeah. I can't explain why I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. I just, it, you know, I, I feel like it, it honestly, if it kind of feels like it restricts my breathing in, in ways and I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I don't, I hate it every second I'm out there. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always wear it because I, and this is the other thing. I don't think I'm going to get sick. I, I don't think yeah. even if I, matter of fact, I probably had this virus and didn't know it at some point in time. You know, um, I so I'm not wearing this thing because I'm concerned about myself. I'm concerned about everybody else yeah. uh, and, and what it's going to spread and how I can unknowingly spread this to somebody who is vulnerable out there. And to me, it seems like a very small thing to ask of me to not kill somebody else, mm-hmm. to not kill another human being. Uh, I mean, and if and if somebody walks up to you and says, "Listen, would you be willing to wear this just while you were in this store? Because we have this gentleman here, and if you pass him this virus, he is going to die." Mm. Who would say no to that? You know? Yeah, yeah. And 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 so, what decent the, person would say no? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, yeah it just yeah. so if that's the case. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. That's the reality we're looking at here, you mm-hmm. know, is you don't know who in that store or is either vulnerable or will be soon seeing a vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, and so that's all you're doing. All right. That's all you're doing is trying to protect those people who are vulnerable. And, and maybe they don't even know that they're vulnerable to this well, thing. You, you know, you have talked about this before on this podcast. There's sort of a in uh, some people. Uh, and some people, and I think this is a pro- across ideological lines, race lines, religious lines, whatever. In some people, there's just a lack of empathy. There's a lack, of, and there's an innate sort of selfishness. So, you know, again, it's not about intellect. It's about some of these other urges and desires and feelings that we have as human beings that cause us to make decisions that are innately selfish. And, and, and I hate to say it, I would like to think that out of 10 Alabamians, 
10 would say, oh, to save this guy's life, Josh, I'll put on the mask. But I think based on what I've seen of human nature, unfortunately, I'd have to say, no, Josh, it's not going to be 10 out of 10 people. And that's why we need the restrictions, because there are some people who are so freaking selfish, so devoid of empathy and sympathy that they would say, eh, it's not my problem. It's not yeah, my problem. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right about that. And I think it, and it's not even the not my problem stuff. It's the uh, uh, it's kind of the, there are a lot of people that take some some level of glee in being and having this rebellious you know, nature there and, and saying, nah, you know, I'm not wearing a mask, you know, and, and, and even today you still see them in places, you know, that they roll in and, and it's just, uh, you know, they're not wearing a mask and they have on their shirt, uh, you know, that says something about, uh, you know, not wearing a mask or, oh, or, they, or they, they put on a, oh yeah, they've got shirts that said, uh, you know, I, something about freedoms and things like that. And, uh, you know, because it's, it's a great infringement on their rights to, you know, wear a mask, but, you know, these are also the same people that talk about all they would do and how much they love their country, but they wouldn't put on a mask for 15 minutes inside Walmart to save their fellow American. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it, so they have this now have the mask on that says, that, you know, I, the government forced me to wear this or whatever. And mm. um, it, but in a lot of cases, they have to wear them because you're exactly right that you have the mandate in place. And now they can't go into these places without putting on that mask. And so they aren't infecting people and, and, and you know, and infecting the vulnerable. And even those people who do that nonsense are then going back and, and hanging around vulnerable people that don't know it. And there have been case after, I mean, hundreds, thousands of cases at this point where, you know, somebody didn't know that they were vulnerable to this thing and somebody else didn't know they, that, you know, how, how easily it was to spread it to them. And they've killed somebody. Uh, you know, or, or send them to the hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, I mean, and it, it, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's Anthony Daniels, you know, for example, you know, nearly died from this. Um, and, and Anthony's in good shape, you know, young man. And, um, but it's, you know, but the thing hit him and, and he tried to take every precaution that he could, but something happened, something uh, happened, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I've, uh, it's just the way it is. I, I've got a, um, I've got a friend who uh, we attend church together. He's got five people in his household. COVID hit their household and four of the five people contracted the virus. Out of the four who contracted the virus, one of them, one of them ended up in the hospital and eventually was in a coma for 20 days. 20 days in a coma. They thought she was going to die. She came out of it and she seems to be on the mend right now. As far as I know, latest I heard, but this thing is so it's so deadly and also so unpredictable. You know, you've got, you've got a, a household of five people and one person doesn't get it. Why didn't that one person get it? You, you got four people you know, and, and one of them is close to death and the other three, uh, you know, they have symptoms and whatever, but they eventually come out. You know, who can explain this thing, man? No, it's 
Yeah, you can't, and and it's uh, you know, and I would, I'm I'm guessing that that you know, if we could have somebody like Doctor Sag on, he he could be able to explain to us why this thing hits certain people harder, uh, you know, whether or not there's a different strain of the virus that, that some people have contracted versus others, or something along mm, those lines. Yeah, uh, and and if you don't know, I am completely talking out of my ass right now about this because <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, but you know, uh, it, it, you're right. It's 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 so hit or miss. And I, I'll say it it looks like it does look like we are we are turning the corner here. You know, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel here with this thing with the vaccines that we have. You know, the Johnson and Johnson one shot vaccine That's is major. now making the rounds. That's major. And, um, uh, you know, and it and it looks like the Pfizer vaccine is far more potent than they than they even. Uh, thought it was and uh, even with a one dose on the thing it, it looks like it's it, it's far more potent but you know i i think that um it, if we just continue this and if we could ramp up the vaccines in this state then maybe this the five extra weeks will be enough to get us close to that herd immunity level uh close enough at least to where we limit the hospitalizations um and, and reduce the strains and and we we kind of shut it down enough i i, I just you know man it, it, but it at the just keep wearing a mask for a little while longer and, you know, and, and try to stay the hell away from people. And before you know it, we'll be in a baseball stadium somewhere screaming at somebody and sharing a beer, sure, you know, I be mean, uh, yeah. with the entire row, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, everything will be just fine. Yeah, uh, be great. I mean, we'll be back to blowing on birthday cakes and then eating them. <laughs> um, you know, no, I draw the line <laughs> at that. I'm done with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that, you know, it wasn't until COVID hit that I started looking at when I would see, yeah that on TV or something, I'd look and think, why were, why, why were we doing that anyway? That, <laughs> you know, it's a, I, I don't know if you're like me, uh, where now when I see um, like scenes on TV uh-huh. from older movies or TV shows and, and people are all gathered up, I'm like, ooh, look at those people all together together like that. I mean, it's, it's almost like it's like, whoa, what the hell are they doing? Right. And I'm, you know, just, I'm like, I, I don't, you know, and, and it's perfectly normal uh, and we'll get back to some form of that, I'm I'm assuming, uh, in the near future. But it it's a, um, it's just weird now at how conditioned you become over a, a relatively short period of time, a year, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, to changing the way you think about the most basic things like social gatherings and stuff. How, how you just think about, Ooh, that's a lot of people in one room, right? You know, Ooh, yeah. damn, look at all those people up close and hugging and stuff. What's going on there? And, uh, you know, um, which, uh, Oh, by the way, you know, when we started this whole thing and, and the whole COVID pandemic started and we, we talked a, a lot about what we were doing at the time, you know, we talked a lot about TV shows and, and things. And I have found a new one. I don't know if you've seen this or not a snowfall. Oh man, you yeah. Snowfall? I've been on Snowfall yeah. since the beginning. Love Snowfall. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm at the beginning. I mean, I'm at the I'm in the middle of season two at this point. Okay, but man, it uh, it is really really good. Uh, the kid that plays uh, Franklin Saint is uh, is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame there are no uh, black American actors uh, that can fill any of these roles. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's 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 a phenomenon that continues to uh, intrigue me that the a lot of these British. These are black British actors who have impeccable American accents. I mean, they they've got it down. Idris Elba's another one. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Bo- Boyega guy from Star Wars. Yeah, uh, he's another one. Uh, uh, yeah. Sophie, 
uh, Akenda, Okenda, something like that. Her last name is. I mean, they're just a whole bunch of them that they and they're they're amazing actors. Yeah, but yeah, Snowfall, man, Snowfall is that to me. That's a phenomenal show. Taking taking a look back at the nineteen the rise of crack in Los Angeles, and it, it looks at it very smartly from a political standpoint and a cultural standpoint. The racial dynamics. Uh, which aren't just white and black, but also Latinx. I mean, it's a phenomenal show. Phenomenal show. Yeah, it is. It really is. And that's and, the late John um, Singleton. You know, that's his. Yeah, baby. exactly. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and so I, I'm I'm interested to see because I know he he died in the in the middle of production of what third season? Uh, or second season. I think it was the second or third season. See, I, it, yeah, 2019. Yeah, they're, so. they're in a new season right now. And yeah, they just started season four. So then it was the third season, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, then, so yeah, it, and, and it, I'm interested to see if it if it continues to be as good without him being around. Well, I can uh, tell you so far it is. So far it is. And I think one thing that helps is that they've got Walter Mosley um, is one of the executive producers. Now, he was always involved as a consulting producer, but Walter Mosley, for those who don't know, is the man who wrote the Easy Rollins novels. You know, Denzel Washington starred in one uh, called, uh, a film based on one called The Devil in a Blue Dress, yeah. which is uh, an incredible movie. And uh, and that was the breakout role for Don Cheadle, too. Don, Don Cheadle played the uh, psychotic uh, I'll call him psychotic killer mouse. Uh, they, his nickname was mouse. And Don Cheadle was, um, in fact, really Don Cheadle kind of stole the movie from Denzel, which is awfully hard to do. He yeah, kind of yeah. stole that it movie is. from Denzel. Yeah. But anyway, Walter Mosley is on as an executive producer for Snowfall. And I think that that has helped. That's that's probably going to help a lot. I can't believe you dissed Denzel like that. Uh, oh, I love Denzel. Wind man. up in Pelican Bay. <laughs> I Lockdown. I love shoe program. I love Denzel. I love him. <laughs> but Cheeto's a bad boy, though, man. That Cheeto, he's yeah, a, he's no, an amazing actor. It is. It's a good show, though, man. It really is a. It really is an excellent. And it, and it highlights. I tell you, the problem that it does, though, is you, you see that happening, and then you immediately think. Well, some of these other government conspiracies of the right wing nuts are not so off base. If you had the United States government actually involved in selling crack to you know to the inner city, and um, it's a uh, that's tough, man, because it's true. I oh, mean, it, that, yeah. that that happened. Oh, it was documented. Know? Yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great reporting by the San Jose Mercury News on that. Yeah, yeah. yeah good movie on that one as well. Yeah, uh, they sure did with yeah. uh, Jeremy Renner. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Now, so listen, this has been entertainment this week. Uh, with uh... I know. Where else do you get a mishmash of Alabama politics and, and television and movie reviews? I don't know. Hey, listen, if you had to listen to nothing but Alabama politics all the time, you would go insane. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's what we're doing here is for your mental health. That's right. It's just a mental health minute or two on something that, that we can help you out with. And, uh, you know, and, and recommending good movies and TV shows is what we do. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So you're welcome. We toss it in. Really? We toss it in gratis for free. <laughs> no rhyme or reason or warning. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let's slide out and we'll get uh, Representative Laura Hall in and uh, talk about uh, Laura. Oh, the Alabama legislature. Hmm. Oh, yeah.
I'm sure great things are happening. Hmm. Yeah. You'll want to stay tuned for that conversation. You will. Uh, Alabama Politics This Week, back in a moment. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to remind you, if you would, take a moment and go to your favorite podcast destination and leave us a nice review, if you would. Uh, Also, don't forget to rate us if you get a chance. Uh, That would really, really help us out a whole lot here. And, uh, you know, maybe we can earn some money off this thing every now and then. Thanks a lot, guys. Welcome back, Alabama Politics This Week. Uh, joining us now is uh, Representative Laura Hall, uh, who has uh, been in the trenches uh, for, of the uh, legislature for the last, uh, I guess, three of the last four weeks now. Um, they took a, took that week off. And so it, it's, um, it has been an interesting, frustrating, I don't know if frustrating would, would be out of the ordinary for this group, though, really. Um, uh, and, and, but yeah, I know that you have, you and, and several other Democrats have tried to, uh, push some legislation that would make it easier for people to vote, uh, and and would remove a lot of the, uh, the racist symbols and, uh, things that are are scattered throughout this state. Uh, but one that, that you had was, uh, the vote to expand absentee voting. Um, it looks like, uh, that is, uh, gonna, is on if it's not dead, it's its own ICU and life support right now, and uh, and I really I don't know that I've ever had saw a politician so publicly support a bill and then run from it faster than John Merrill uh, has with this bill, and so I just uh, if you uh, I guess just talk about the bill and, and what exactly happened with the Secretary of State. Well, I really can't speak for the Secretary of State, but I can speak to my frustration. Uh, the bill, I had pre-filed the bill, that bill, um, to allow the no excuse um, absentee voting. And then after filing that bill, I was then approached by the Secretary of State about working with his office on that bill, which is which I committed to. Because my feeling was if you have the leadership of the organization working with you, that certainly gives it some, hopefully some additional support. And so last week we had a public hearing and the Secretary of State's office uh, spoke in favor of that particular bill. And then um, we've had several conversations, you know, I had, had, had several conversations about it, the, but the probate judges were opposed to the bill as well as the um, clerks were opposed to the bill. So they spoke, um, you know, um, as well at the public hearing. And um, so I think that's when the, the shift um, really started because we didn't vote last week. And, uh, and after we had a, he and I had a conversation about our, I, I sent a message to the um, chair of the committee indicating that I thought we should carry it over because I was really trying to work with different groups, so Secretary of State and probate judges because they had indicated that there were certain things that they liked about the bill to see if there was something we could come up with what I would call a, a compromise. But 
that didn't happen and it appears that as of Monday, things just went in the opposite direction. So I went before the committee on yesterday and asked the committee to carry it over. And I said, this point is dead because I don't have any votes. I had three votes I knew on that committee. Right, yeah. So, yeah. Was it, uh, well, probate clerks or probate uh, judges and, and clerks were, were, the problem there was funding, right? Yes, there was. They indicated that, but I think it was it was funding uh, from the clerk because I spoke to Clerk Kaiser, and she indicated it, the bill allowed for two uh, additional individuals, and we were willing to work to see if we did it by population, so many thousand per clerk. Mm -hmm. That seemed to be workable, um, but. Anyway, at this point, unless we come up with something totally different, I don't see that. Maybe we will. I'm I'm not going to give up hope until the last day of the session. Yeah, it's it's a shame. It's really a shame that we we just had an election where essentially we had no excuse absentee voting. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, you you they encouraged you to lie for an excuse. Really, was <laughs> you know, uh, but but we we essentially had it, and we had a we record did. number of people vote by absentee ballot. Uh, it was it was proven to be safe and secure because God knows John Merrill has gone all over the country telling people how safe and secure it was to do right. this. Exactly. Um, yeah. We seem to have very few problems with with any of this process, other than uh, the clerks and uh, the clerks offices and probate judges offices were overworked a little bit because uh, we didn't expand some hours. But if we had expanded the hours, we would have been able to handle it with no problem. And uh, I, I don't. So I don't understand. We we got more people to vote, and it was safe and secure. What in the world? Would, why would we not chase this? Well, I can't. I cannot explain to that to you, other than the fact that uh, for whatever reason, and uh, that the party seems to be uh, of the mindset, you know, that it's not a good idea to make it easier for people to vote. And when you say the party, you a, mean the... Not a, and when you say the Republican Party. Yeah, I was going to say, you mean right, the Republican right, Party. Right, the party that's in, right. in the majority, the majority and, party. And we know that that's, that's part of yeah. a national trend. Republicans right. have looked at Georgia and they're scared. Frankly, I think they're scared. Uh, well, I can't use that word. They are frightened to the point of uh, of realizing that their very political survival depends on you know, being right. able to suppress the vote legally. Right. And so this, and is, I, this is what this is. That's the way I felt. And that's the way I feel. And so the only way that I know we can combat that is to continue to work uh, uh, within our, uh, within Alabama justice, Stacey Abrams has done in uh, Georgia for the last 12, 10 to 12 years. It's not an overnight thing. But it does require that just a lot of work. And then once people are registered to vote, then making sure they do go to the polls and vote. And then the other part of that is focusing on those individuals who, for various reasons, did not vote in the last election. So continue to work with those individuals and encouraging and providing opportunities for to re-engage them in the voting process. Yeah. Laura, what about the, uh, what about the, uh, and I think this is, both of these topics, I think, go to something that Josh wrote about earlier this week uh, in, in one of his columns. He talked about the, uh, the, uh, the, the fact that 
that Alabama, the Alabama Republican Party, has basically become the modern John Birch or the latest iteration of the John Birch society. And I think Josh is right on the money with that. So let, let, let's talk about another aspect of that, uh, that that is manifesting itself legislatively, which is the um, the apparent defeat of the monuments bill that uh, mm-hmm. that uh, state uh, rep uh, Wanderlin uh, Gavon had had proposed, and uh, I know you support it. Uh, sure. I mean, do you do you? I mean, I said apparent defeat. Can you kind of give us a sense from your standpoint of what happened and where we are with that currently? Well, there are a couple of things that happens. One, when you have bills like that, you need to have every member that's on the committee present. That's one. And and then because sometimes the member that's not there could be your deciding or one that would vote with you. But it was interesting to me that individuals would say they were voting based on their constituency and the history. There is nothing in her bill. There was nothing in the amendment that tore down a monument. It provided an opportunity for cities and counties to direct where those monuments would go. So it was, it was, it just, and uh, uh, the, the director for the history and archives had provided support and information in helping to write the amendment. Uh, it just it just seems like it was just there was a determination to say no, we're not going to make any changes. And of course, you know how that bill came about. I think you left in 2015 when you think that we did not realize, I didn't realize how much. Uh, the impact, how much of an impact that bill really was going to have in our cities and counties. Mm-hmm. So let me just say before before Josh closes us out, um, I believe that we are in a period, and I'd like to get your quick response to this. I believe we're in a crucial period, not not at all unlike the period uh, after uh, the uh, Reconstruction, where we saw a rise in black uh the the ability of black people to to participate in politics and in society as fully vested citizens and then subsequently subsequent to that you found this uh or following that you found this pushback you know this blowback and we've seen it it's it's been documented that in other instances where black people have experienced gains in our country, there's a faction that pushes back. This is what it looks like and feels like to me, not just in Alabama, but nationally. Um, I just want to say, I think it is imperative that we hold, that we continue to fight, that, that, that we continue to support you and Anthony Daniels and others because there is, I believe, there's a spirit that continues to hover over our state that would, if possible, you know, remove the political power, what little political power we have, what little political impact we can have, and perhaps even take us back even much further. So we just need to continue to stand with you as you fight. I agree with you. And I that was a thought that crossed my mind a couple of times this morning as I was reading is that 
and then knowing the history of how we were very much an active part of the political process during Reconstruction. And then as that power was provided, there was ways put in a place to make sure it was taken away. And so that, that's all the more reason that we must have individuals outside of the legislative body working, even though they may feel like that they're not getting responses, they must continue to work. And then we must try to find allies, individuals who we don't ordinarily think would work with us to help us to push the needle. Because if we don't, we will be in the same situation. I totally agree. Yeah, I and and I agree with uh, with both of you as well. And and you had a you have another bill that was trying to remove some of the racist symbols uh, from our state seal and uh, the the stuff that's you know the Confederate emblems that basically that have been on uh, the state seal, their, their own uh, trooper uniforms, their own uh, sheriff's uniforms all across the state. Um, and you know, it, it it never has made any sense to me why why people hold on to such things so tightly. I mean, it, it doesn't represent anybody's real history or anything like that. And and removing that stuff doesn't change what happened in the past. Uh, keeping it up makes it seem as though you're proud of what all that stuff to me. But uh, I mean, it just doesn't, none of that makes any sense. I, and I, I don't, I don't we, we saw this, this movement over the summer, um, you know, and we had conversations back then about how, well, listen, we're going to go to the legislative process and we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll change this monuments law. You know, a lot of Republicans said this stuff. A lot of Republican <laughs> voters were behind this move to sure. change this law to make That's it right. easier for people to move monuments, not destroy monuments, but move them to places where they could go into a museum or into a, you know, some sort of a garden somewhere off to the side, you know, preferably behind a tree. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there were people behind this and I think it, What's happening right now is a good indication of the type of lies and things that are, that are being sold by the Republican Party uh, to just cover up the true intentions of what they're trying to do. And, and you are so right. I mean, even locally, I've had colleagues to say that they were going to work to make sure that we have this a bill that would, you know, change and allow for citizen counties to determine Rex Reynolds. Uh, where the monument Rex Reynolds. Where the monument would go. Yeah. And I none of them I've not heard any of either any of those individuals that said that to even speak up about that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna and call his name, have- Laura, Rex Reynolds. He told me to my <laughs> face at a meeting that he was going to make sure that he that there was a change to this law. Where's Rex Reynolds and today? I- Right. And they, so and I just said, I think even coming from from a leadership that we also have to uh, have them to be aware and held accountable as well in terms of helping us to um, be able to move forward. But but also to allow the bill at least to get to the floor. So there's discussion yeah. uh, on the issue. Yeah. Put people on the record. Put people on the record with their votes, and, yeah. you know, so you can say and, and stop with this voice vote nonsense that that so much so much of this stuff gets gets pegged with. But listen, uh, Representative Holloway, we we appreciate it as always, and and you know, not just coming on, but the work that you're doing. And that you, I know, listen, trust me, 
I know that it feels like you're banging your head against the wall. <laughs> I, I, I keep banging my head against the same wall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you just have to do it in a lot nicer right. way than I do. You know, we don't have so, to. We don't have to knock ourselves out. We will just have to continue to work and hope that we're going to make a difference. Absolutely, uh, that's right. At some point, we will. But listen, keep up the good fight, and uh, and we'll get you back on. Uh, hopefully, with with better news, and the next time we get you back on. Well, with, I am with something that has progressed. My- I am planning to ask that the, the bill that uh, changes the seal to be put on the calendar for our next committee meeting. So that, and that hopefully will be next week. Beautiful. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to keep an eye on it and we'll let everybody know. And, and maybe we can get you back on and talk about something good happening around here. All right. Thank you. Take care, Laura. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Representative Laura Hall joining us. She is, uh, she's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and well, I wish we had uh, about, you know, a hundred or so. Like she's my, uh, the, she's my state, state representative. She's my state representative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank oh, you. mine too, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, is, is she my state representative over here? Of right? course I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's only, you know, she's my state representative no matter yeah, what. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to get down exactly where the line is here, yeah. where, where I'm, where I'm at. So I'm, I, I could be, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. I, I think, I think I am. My line is a little funky. Uh, mine, you know, is, I, mine is have you looked at my map <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it's almost like they were drawn oddly for some huh. reason yeah well, I, I, don't, I mean what i know right it's like it's all zigzaggy and stuff i don't why would they do that i don't <laughs> take care i gotta go they're calling me bye 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 <laughs> thank you uh all right yeah that, that's, she, she is great uh though yeah. and um it, it's um uh, I, it, it's a shame man it really is it really is a shame that we it's it's not this is what this is what pisses me off the most uh it, having covered the legislature sat there and watched it it's not the way people vote necessarily all right i mean i'll admit that does piss me off some mm-hmm. but it's not what pisses me off the most what pisses me off the most is the cowardly maneuvering that takes place to prevent people from having to stand on the floor and explain themselves. To be accountable. That's yeah. what pisses me off the most about this is that not and not even explain themselves, but go on record mm-hmm. with votes against things like the monuments, you know, rewriting the monuments bill or removing the racist symbols off of the the state seal and those sorts of things. That I mean to to hide behind <laughs> some sort of you know procedure and and it just is it's so it it's so cowardly. And, you know, people deserve better than that. Well, people want the ability to be able to, I think, do what has been done in politics throughout the country, but especially I think it's been perfected in the South. They want the ability to to be racist for uh, in an opportunistic way. I don't I don't think this is I don't think this is really about people hating other people for the most part, though. I think there are, there's always a faction of people that hate, but I think largely what Uh we have that plagues us is a group of people who are willing to exploit racism and the fears Mm -hmm. of, of people and the bigotry Mm -hmm. of people for political gain, but they don't want to have to then be called racist. They want the ability to do all of those things and still feel like, you know, they want to be able to walk through the mud and feel like they can Mm -hmm. still keep their white pants clean. 
And and the reality is you ought to be, if you're going to walk through the mud, then doggone it, show it. Well, I, you know, I'll tell you this. And, and I had a, I had a discussion one time with, uh, with Doug Jones uh, about, about this and about the phony things that people do in this state, uh, you know, and why, uh, I, I, I'll give you a perfect example to move away from race. Some, uh, here, uh, abortion, mm-hmm. you know, why, you know, why, why is abortion such a, such a successful wedge issue? When you look at the polling, even in this state, you know, 65 to 70% of the people in this state, which includes a lot of Republicans, by the way, when you get up to 65, 70%, a lot of, you know, normal Republican voters are included in that. They support a woman's right to choose in this, in these instances, or at the very least exceptions, 80, more than 80% uh, agree that you should have exceptions for rape and incest. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so why is that such a successful wedge? Well, part of the reason is the gerrymander. Actually not part of the reason. The reason is the gerrymander. The districts have been drawn in such a Republican-dominated way in most cases that a wedge issue like that is only a wedge issue with Republicans, and that's all that matters because a Democrat isn't going to win those races regardless because of the way the, the, the districts have been drawn because you've packed all these, all these Democrats into, different, into the one district. So you're, you're going to have these, these little wedge issues only among Republicans, and that's the same thing that's taking place with this stuff right here is they're not, they're not fighting against Democrats. They're fighting against themselves to prove to this base of racists out there that they desperately need to show up to the polls and vote for them because they have to beat this other Republican. Because if you go into a Republican primary with an actual challenger who says, hey, this guy voted to knock down the Confederate monuments and, uh, and to give a woman a right to choose, the other guy's losing his ass. Mm, all right. Mm. And, that, and so here's where we end up with this is why one party kills your, your state and the party eventually is because you have to get progressively more extreme as you go along. Uh, and that's what we're seeing with the Republican Party. Well, right? I, I think you're right about the, the, the political psychology of it. I think there, though, is a cultural psychology that also has to be addressed. And that is that the reason that that works is because of the way people think and feel. Truly, oh, no, think no and doubt. feel, no doubt. and that's yeah, and, and that's and, the thing that's yeah. scary, and that's the thing that mm-hmm. again, going back to your John Bircher column, uh, that's the thing that I think really uh, is is it's as you put it in your column, uh, you, you know, it's it's a it's a disturbing thing to watch the people around you display certain kinds of attitudes and succumb to certain kinds of viewpoints is very disturbing. But yet that's what we have. We have a, we have fundamentally, we have people that we're surrounded culturally by people who really do, I think, believe fundamentally that white people should have privilege and that white people are superior and that men are superior to women and that gay people or LGBTQ people should have no place in our society. This is fundamentally what a lot of these people believe. And that is well, what enables yeah. the extreme politics to work. Yeah, I, I, I'll say I don't think that they get into it. I think what they what they rely on is a miseducation of people, you know, the, the undereducation of people, not necessarily from an intellect standpoint, but from a political standpoint and from an issue standpoint, they they rely on these people being kept 
uh, you know, just, just paying attention, you know, they go to work and they just pay attention to what's on their, their Facebook feeds and what's around their friends and what they hear from people around them in their, in their communities. And I think they, that is another way that I think the gerrymandering has, has been very effective for Republicans is because it also encourages people to stay within that conservative bubble uh, that you don't have. Uh, other people pushing an agenda and pushing issues, and you don't have other popular candidates out there that are that are spreading a message uh, that they have to listen to. You know, when you have a when you have a competitive race between two people uh, that are diametrically opposed to one another in their viewpoints, well, then you you have to listen. That's people in Georgia; they had to listen to to Reverend Warnock. You know, they had to listen to John Ossoff because he was there was a chance this guy was going to win. You know, he was making a push. So they had to pay attention to him and not just the, the racist rhetoric of, of Loeffler and uh, Purdue. You know, they, they couldn't just pay attention to those people. But in Alabama, we don't have that in most districts. We don't have those competitive races and things. And so the people remain inside that bubble and they don't even consider the, an alternative viewpoint to that damn monument all stand because that's history. You know, that's my history right there. It ain't about hate. It's heritage. And you know, there, there's nobody pushing back against that. There's no, Well, OK, so there's nobody pushing back against that. But the fact that it but the fact that we have people, Josh, like you who know that that is B.S., right? You know that all that stuff is BS. And there and you're not you're not even though you're not in a uh, a majority, I mean you're not alone. There are other people out there, you know, like you that I've met here in Alabama right. who also understand that that racism Whoa, that mis- there's people like me out well, there. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> white people who understand I know what you mean. You know, the Sorry. bigotry in whatever form it mm. takes is BS. They get that. Um, so my contention is that there's, there's a, there's a group of you exposed to the same set of facts. There's a group of you that says, you're right. This is BS. I'm not with this, but unfortunately there's a larger group, Josh, that is not willing to say that, that on some level they subscribe to that bigotry on some level. It may not be pure hate. I mean, it's on a continuum. I'm not saying everybody hates virulently. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that I believe, at least on a fundamental level, people who subscribe to this this point of view, who vote in those ways, are people who at the very least subscribe to a supremacist point of view and want that privilege. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I, I just think that, uh, and, and I don't disagree necessarily with what you're saying, uh, but I don't, I don't, I think you, th- you're thinking about it, and and I don't think there's a lot of thought put into it by these people. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't think that they they come out and say I want I want privilege. Uh, they see it in in much smaller much more easily defined, much more personal terms to them uh, that resonate with them in simplistic sorts of, of ways. Um, I, again, I'm not saying that that's wrong, that, you know, because there is at the, at the end of the day, there's, a, there's an element of uncaring and indifference towards the suffering of, of other mm-hmm. people. There's, there's certainly that, and they don't give a shit if, that because you know, that what they're doing hurts other people. They don't care at all. Uh, but... I don't. I think that they see it in terms that's beneficial to them uh, on a on a personal way and not necessarily related to to race. And I think I'll, I'll give Republicans credit for coming up with these 
ways to reach these people at these at these personal levels there and to mask the the white supremacy and the racism and things like that in 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 very ordinary everyday uh, situations and uh, it, it's it they've done a, an excellent job of that it, it's evil as hell but they've done an excellent job of it um, and you know I I just think that until though we we penetrate into those groups and uh, and figure out ways to reach them I I don't know how we turn things around here. Yeah, and I agree with that. I don't know how we do. I agree that that ultimately is the solution because, you know, it, it there's no, you know, it's it's an intellect, it's an intellectual battle. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a battle that can be won with violence. You know, no. uh, you know, you you know. So you gotta you gotta convince people. You gotta change people's hearts and minds. And we have been seesawing in this country all of our lives, Josh, all of our lives. And, and really, you know, all of our parents, you know, for our parents' lives, for those who still have parents that are living. Um, and, you know, we've been seesawing, you know, for about 100 years. And we still, you know, we're not really any, we haven't made any, we've made some progress, but that progress that we've made is still under threat. And that's what's really, that disturbs me perhaps even more than, I'm not even going to say perhaps, that disturbs me even more than the incremental nature of the progress. You know, I, I could live with the incremental nature of it a lot more if it weren't still under threat. Yeah, well, what, what's what's most disturbing to me is the fact that uh, black Americans had more rights, better rights, certainly more voting rights in 1969. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right and I mean, exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a thing to say and a hell yeah. of a thing to think about after all we've done yeah. and all we've seen. Um, and there has been, there has been zero progress after everything that took place this summer. There has been zero progress in that regard. Um, We're so saying far. the exact same thing. You're exactly right. Exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. We we all slide out of here. Uh, you know, thanks to Laura yeah. Hall for, uh, for Love that, Laura. Uh, interview. Love she was she was great, and uh, you know, and, and nice discussion afterwards. I, I thought David and I did an excellent job. <laughs> so you know, that was free to you. How about that? Now come for Laura Hall. You got a free interview afterwards <laughs> with us. Uh, we'll be back in a minute to wrap this thing up. Hey, just wanted to take a second to uh, thank the AFL-CIO uh, for their support of the podcast here at Alabama Politics this week and really thank them for all that they do for us and for the workers all around uh, Alabama. Uh, the Alabama AFL-CIO, which you can find at alaflcio.com. Again, that's alaflcio.com. Uh, go to their, their website. Uh, they, they do great work uh, at helping you organize, uh, teaching you about the benefits of a union, uh, teaching you about how to, how to go about filing grievances and everything else that goes with, with being a union member. And especially in this time when COVID-19 is so prevalent and, um, you know, a lot of workers are having problems with uh, precautions not necessarily being taken or getting relief uh, that they need because of wage losses and job losses. 
Go over there to the website, take a look at the reports that are there, take a look at the guidance that they have, uh, utilize some of those, uh, some of the fine people that are working at Alabama AFL-CIO uh, and, and take advantage of, of what a union can bring. Uh, and that's especially true if you're working at a place that does not necessarily have a union. Uh, I think you can read, uh, read all about that with the, uh, with the folks working at Amazon currently uh, in this state, and you can see the benefits that kind of come along with being a union member. Uh, again, that's ALA. FLCIO.com. A-L-A-F-L-C-I-O.com. All righty. Welcome back in. Hello, Politics this week. That was a good uh, conversation with uh, Laura Hall and uh, uh, and then, you know, David and myself. A little freebie at the end uh, for you. <laughs> um, uh, and we can get back to, I don't know if you'd like to go back into uh, into our entertainment conversation, but uh, or we could <laughs> stick with Alabama politics, or we could jump over to marijuana. Uh, and Yeah, and, let's let's go with marijuana. Yeah, that's always <laughs> what I say, too. <laughs> say that sentence a whole lot. Uh, yeah, so uh, um, there was a bill... Uh, uh, sponsored by Senator uh, Tim Melson, uh, who is a doctor uh, and a Republican, uh, which is sometimes not uh, seems like an oxymoron. Um, but uh, they uh, th- this bill would allow for medical marijuana use in the state. Uh, it passed the Senate in record time. Uh, there was barely even a conversation about this thing, uh, and uh, I mean, just was was through there in literally in fifteen minutes. Uh, despite the fact that Larry Stutz, uh, who is also a doctor uh, and also a Republican um, and has killed more people than marijuana, um, had, was was going to raise objections. So apparently they just waited until he was out of the room and then held the phone real fast. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, it, uh, and it flew over to the, uh, to the House, which is now going to have to take it up. And they are going to send this bill, according to uh, uh, Matt McCutcheon, uh, the a speaker of the house, they're going to send this bill through two committees, uh, something that never happens. Uh, they're going to send it through, uh, the, the justice, uh, judicial committee, uh, and they're going to send it through, uh, through the health committee. Uh, and basically that's an effort to kill it. Uh, they're going to, it has to, it has to pass out of, out of both committees and they're hoping that the, the thing's going to die. Uh, there's no reason for it to die. Uh, there it is. We're talking about uh, marijuana being uh, prescribed by doctors uh, to treat various ailments for which it is shown to be effective in treating uh, both the ailment itself and the pain associated with various ailments. Uh, it is not addictive. It, it, it does not cause near the problems and damage that opioids do, something that doctors prescribe by the thousands every single day in the state. Um, and the, the only, the only drawback to this, the only drawback to this is the reputation of marijuana, of of marijuana as an illegal drug based solely on the fact that it has been named an illegal drug. That is the only thing about it. There is nothing that you can look at with marijuana that makes it worse than alcohol or the majority of uh, prescription drugs that are out there, and even some over-the-counter drugs. There is nothing that you can look at with marijuana that makes it worse than those things. Yeah, I I agree with you generally. I think I think marijuana has has had a bad rep, undeserved for you know 
well, for almost 100 years, I guess. And and I'm saying this as someone who's never even used it. I mean, I've been around people who were, you know, getting high or whatever, but I've never used it myself. But I have no oh, problem with listen, it. Listen, man, used. it's mm-hmm. Friday. You ain't got no job. And you ain't got shit to do. <laughs> the weed be letting you know. It's from the earth. God put this here for us. And I actually agree with everything you're saying. I think I think I actually do believe, even though I've never used it, I do believe that it is that it is innately less damaging because it is from the earth. And I do believe that that, uh, you know, there's a purpose, there's a reason for it. And I think we've I think medical science has borne that out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, you know, I actually don't agree, even though I know you, you're going into hippie mode there. I actually don't no, no, it was Friday, man. It was Friday. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, as long as you're not smoking with Hector, you're okay. Okay. All right. Everything's good. You wind up in the, in, in, uh, in the pigeon coop, Debo's pigeon coop, if you're smoking with Hector. But otherwise, everything's fine. Uh, no, it, listen, it's, uh, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about recreational use. Although I don't have right. a problem with recreational use either. Well, uh, that's, you know, that's it, what I, I don't either. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't it, either. It's yeah. it's absurd to me. There, there's no there's no argument that we can have here where you can where it's less okay for me to smoke marijuana or take a you know chew uh, whatever you know, brownies or however I ingest it versus alcohol. There's nothing. Exactly. Marijuana exactly. wins every competition of it. Exactly. Uh, every single one of them. And uh and and when we're talking about prescri- prescribing it to pe- to people, it's mm-hmm. just you know, what how is it? Why why do people believe? This I'd love to to understand this. Why do people believe that these drugs that are made in laboratories mm-hmm. and, and with a combination of chemicals that we have to test for months and then still have dramatic side effects such as death and, you know, uh, all, you hear all sorts of all the commercials that, that come on with the two people laying in the bathtub at the, in the sunset, uh, you know, on, on TV. <laughs> and, you know, and they run through the list of side effects and, you know, you get everything from death to anal bleeding. And it, it's just, you know, why why do people believe that those things are okay and we're all right with that versus right. this plant? This plant-derived drug uh, that people have been using for thousands of years—I just yeah. don't understand. Yeah, it's well, it's it's because the government, the government, you know, again, going back uh, was it a hundred years almost now? The mm-hmm. government orchestrated a plan, uh-huh. you know, to to defame the drug and yeah. to and to and to shape public thinking about the drug, and then. Fast forward about 60 or so years, Nixon decided that he was going to use uh, the war on drugs as a way to uh, for political purposes, to capitalize on on the fears of people, the racial fears, the cultural fears of people at a changing time. And so he further sullied the reputation of this, as you put it earlier, this God given plant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you know, I'm with you hundred percent, the reason, but that's the reason why those yeah. are the reasons why it's the government who's done this. And, and of course now, uh, you know, what we see is that despite the government's best efforts, People and let's just say the will of the people and capitalism are prevailing, yeah. which is why 
it's going to be impossible. Ultimately, the legislature can get in the way of this. They can drag their feet. They can put impediments up. But the bottom line is, eventually, in the state of Alabama, people are going to be able to use marijuana for medical purposes. And I believe eventually for recreational purposes. Uh, There is a bill, uh, Josh, also uh, that was introduced by, was it uh, Singleton? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bobby Singleton in the Senate that would uh, reduce the penalty for marijuana possession, making it only punishable by a fine. Uh, And, you know, we're trending, that's the the direction we're trending in because people, everything that you and I are talking about, people know it. They know it's Mm -hmm. true. They know it's true. Yeah. And they know it doesn't make sense. No. You know, and I've I've been around people that drink. I don't drink, but I've been around people that drink and, you know, and whatnot. And I, I tell you, I I would pick being around somebody smoking a joint any day of the week than somebody drinking bourbon or scotch. Any day of the week. Yeah. Would have helped Nixon out if he'd got high a little more often. <laughs> Probably been a whole different country, whole different outcome whole, for him. Whole he different, smoked yeah. a little weed every now and then. Uh, yeah. uh, that, pe- that 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 uh, those two fingers he held up as he was leaving <laughs> would have had a different would have been a whole different context, whole different context. <laughs> uh, uh, love uh, I got some love braids. It. He'd have been all right. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, you're right though, 100. percent I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what it does, though. Uh, if you look at the attitudes toward marijuana uh, for no logical reason whatsoever, other than it's been made illegal by the government and told, and they've told you that you know these limits need to be placed on this thing, um, it's quite the argument for more restrictions on guns. Uh, you know, that's one of the popular things we hear all the time is, you know, well, well, what, what does it matter? You know, these guns, if you put these regulations in place, now the, the criminals aren't going to pay any attention to those things. And you're still going to have it, it wouldn't have stopped this this particular school shooting uh, over here to have these restrictions in place. But. That those restrictions and, and the and the laws that are in place by the government uh, on different things, they do change the way people think about stuff. Uh, sure. And 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 I think we have reached a point with with guns in this country where people almost see them as toys, uh, mm. you know, and, and they don't have the respect. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not against you having a gun. Don't get me wrong. I, I, what right. I am against is are idiots having guns and, and mm. people not respecting guns and not not doing the things that, that make your family safe to have a gun in your in your home. Um, that's, that's what bothers me. And I think that if you had the, you know, the, the trigger locks and the, you know, the smart weapons, you know, that, that would only unlock it with, with certain fingerprints and, uh, you know, and, and the storage penalties for not storing them safely and, and limits on capacities and limits on, on certain things like that. I think it would change the mindset of a lot of people to, to regulate and, and to make sure that people took courses that, that for safety, to know how to yep. use these things. If you're going to have to hunt, I mean, for God's sakes, you ought to have to have one when you when you got them in your house too. You ought to know how to use the thing. And yep. those are the things that I think people ought to have. It. It's, and I would say that 90% of gun owners would agree with me on those things. You know, the responsible mm-hmm. people out there that own own guns, I think they they hate these idiots because there's a joke, there's a comedian that has a a bit about going to the to the shooting range and mm-hmm. he's like, you know, if you do this on a regular basis, Every single person knows a moron 
that nobody wants to be around while they've got a gun. And when that dude shows up to the ranger, like, all right, we're out. Got to go. Here comes crazy John again, you know? And, and I mean, because it's, it's true. I mean, uh-huh. and those are the, the types of people that you want to eliminate. And that's the kind of, of mindset that you want to I- implement when it comes to, to dangerous weapons, you know? And, and so I, but you know, you don't get to sell as much if you put, if you make people actually respect them for, you know, tools of death, which is what they right. are. Um, but right. yeah, that's mess. There I go with common sense and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I guess it's time for our right wing note of the week. Mm-hmm. It pains me, man. It's pains me. That's your boy. That's your boy. I, that's I don't know I about like. my boy, but I like him. I like him. He's I, he all right. He all right. Yeah. I mean, I, he just lost his mind, and I, I mean, I know why. I know why he's doing it, and uh, it's our right wing nut is Will Ainsworth, uh, who, who wrote a letter. <laughs> you sounded so disappointed when I you said. I am very disappointed in him. He started out so good. It's just you know, it was like uh, I, I wrote today at a column today. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, and I, I wrote for a column today that he made the mistake of using math and common sense in public. And the Republican base is, are, is still making him pay for this thing, uh, mm. you know. And so now he's got to continue to do idiotic things and say idiotic things. And he wrote a letter to Kay Ivey encouraging her to lift the mask mandate. And because of freedoms and personal responsibility and liberty and yada, yada, yada. And I just it's so it's so disappointing. So what 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 I will I will fill in some blanks here. Uh, you said he had to. He didn't have to. Oh no, no, I don't. But he's that. got political. Yeah. But well, and I know yeah. what you. I know what you're saying. But I'm yeah. just filling in the blanks. I know what you mean. Yeah. He has political ambitions. He does. And so he believes mistakenly, like a lot of politicians do in this state and in other states as well, <clears throat> that that they have to that pandering is more important in politics than principle. Now, they will say principle is more important, but what they really believe is pandering is more yeah. important. It's pretty, it's pretty because, funny that, that when they say principle is more important, they're actually pandering. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle, Josh. It is, it's yeah. a vicious cycle. And so that's what's really going on here. He's pandering because he believes he has to do that in order to uh, in order to be politically viable yeah. in the Republican Party, uh, now you know Ainsworth wants to run for governor one day, mm-hmm. and he's it's probably going to happen in twenty twenty six, probably right? Wouldn't you say? I don't, I don't know if Ivy's going to run again. We'll see. Uh, well. That's a good question. Okay, so let's, I mean, that's a good point. She, I, I was saying that based on the idea that she was going to run again. Oh, no, she, no, listen, you're right, she may not. beating her. Nobody's beating her. All right. Yeah. So, and I don't think yeah. any of them would run against her. Uh, I don't think so either. There's no, there's no upside to that. Yeah, yeah. There's I, no upside to that. Yeah, so. Um, if she I, decides yeah. to run, so, it's hers, it's hers to call. Yeah. Sure, sure it is, and then and so then we're we're left with Ainsworth and probably Steve Marshall. Hmm. 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 So Steve Marshall, real not real not John Merritt. Choice there. Not not John Merritt. You don't think he's in that I think conversation? John going to run for Senate. John Merrill's going to run for Senate. Okay. Mm. And he listen when he loses that he may. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, John Merrill's not gonna. They're not gonna like John Merrill to to send it. And 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 one, it, it's odd. It, and I I don't know why he doesn't lean into this more. But the reason John Merrill's not going to be elected, uh, it, because he's going to lose the Republican primary because Republicans hate him for doing a what we would uh, describe as a decent job. Um, mm-hmm. In in terms of not uh, of the main reason they hate him is because he has upheld campaign finance laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and tried to prosecute them for not following those laws, uh, issuing fines and trying to get the Alabama Ethics Commission to hold them accountable to the laws that they are breaking uh, by not filing their reports on time uh, and not doing various other things. And so a lot, uh, he's made a lot of enemies over the last few years by by that. I mean, just doing what he's supposed to do, which is something that people in this state claim to care about. Hmm. Well, only when it applies to other people or sure. other groups of people. Sure. You know. Yeah. 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 No, election fraud. If you just stamp out that that rampant election fraud that's just running crazy throughout this state. I know that's 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 defining every single election we have. Yeah. I mean, goodness. we can't even do absentee vote, voting anymore uh, because no. I mean it's it's so prevalent, so prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. So your boy Will Ainsworth, our white, our white. Why you gotta be my boy? I'm taking just because I said he did one good thing. Okay, (laughs) one good thing, and I don't, and I don't dislike him. Man, Uh, I could have sworn that I saw you wearing the conductor's hat on the Will Ainsworth train. I could have sworn that was you. That wasn't you. No, that was not me. That was not me. Oh God! <laughs> Never gonna live down defending Will Ainsworth one day. One day, one day I defended Will Ainsworth. I'm never gonna live it down. <laughs> I really thought, man. I really thought that was a. He was changing things. He was gonna, you know, he had this whole great speech about how we weren't taking this virus seriously, and uh, you know, look at the numbers that I've come up with, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we've got to start doing a better job. Called everybody out, and, mm-hmm. and everybody's like, "Yay, we!" Yeah, all right, buddy. Yeah, and then the next week, flipped on us, and it's been flipped. downhill ride ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, pandering, that's... baby. That's what it'll do. Pandering. That's what it is. <laughs> all right. Well, he's our right wing nut, and I guess that's uh disappointing. Disappointing for those of us that were on the train. Um, so. <laughs> So that was you. No, I wasn't conducting it. I was just on it. You were on it. Yeah, way in the back, you, way in the in back. Way, at the caboose end. Huh? Yeah. Back in the back. Okay. I got you. I got you. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, it's right, uh, you know our thanks to uh, to Representative Laura Hall. Uh, love Laura, man. Yeah, One of my favorite people no, in the political world. Like she's and, awesome. Uh, and uh, AFL-CIO for, uh, you know, giving us money every now and then for, for doing Always. this thing. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, and, and listen, uh, if you know anybody involved in the Amazon vote down there, remind them what uh, what this all means. It's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's a big story. Uh, President Biden sent them some love this week. Uh, the NFL mm-hmm. Players Union sent them some love. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that that thing goes the right way. Uh, next yep. month and uh, we get to, or at the end of this month, I'm sorry, at the end of this month. And it, uh, uh, and it's a resurgence for unions uh, in this state and across the country. And we kind of 
get things back to where they were. And, you know, in the good old days that people talk about in the 50s and 60s and 70s, uh, early 70s, when unions were prevalent and, uh, you know, you could actually live on a wage. So Mm. what a change it might be. Until next week, you guys have fun. Peace.